Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. We want to welcome you back to the program again today. And as you can see again, my oldest son, Jeremy, is on set with us today. And uh, uh, he uh, was with me last week. We're going to continue to share our conversation, but it's good to have you back on with me, Jeremy. Always good to be here. And uh, he pastors a great church in Winchester, Virginia. And uh, if you are in the Northern Virginia, especially towards the Western part of it, uh, he's in Winchester, Virginia. And there will be information about his website. He pastors a church called Word That Frees that meets at a restaurant called Sweet Nola's. You'd be blessed to go by there on a Sunday morning and be with them in a service, and you'd be greatly blessed. We've been sharing a series from the book of Hebrews, and before we get back into it again today, I just want to make you aware that, uh, uh, that everything we have aired to date is uh, uh, archived on YouTube. Now, the best way you probably can, uh, uh, you know, access that would be to go to my website at lynnhiles.com. Of course, it's always on the screen. And there is a direct link there. That's the easiest way I know how to, uh, to tell you to do it. There's a direct link there to our YouTube channel. And uh, you can watch us at your leisure. Everything we've aired to date is there. This entire series we've done on the book of Hebrews is there and available for you to listen to and watch. If you want to stream it in your automobile while you're headed to work and redeem a little bit of time while you're stuck in traffic, go to iTunes and get our podcast and download or listen to us. If you don't have an iPhone, there is a RSS feed there for your Android devices. All of them are directly linked to our website. Uh, and while you're there, you can check out our products. We have a whole host of CDs, audio things, books, all of our books and, and stuff are there. And uh, uh, perhaps even consider becoming a partner with our ministry there. There's a place where you can just give via credit card or uh, uh, you could set up actually a monthly debit if you'd like to become a partner. And we appreciate that. We're going to get into the Word, though. We're dealing with Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And we're talking about how... Uh, all, of this, uh, all of these men of faith in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, did something in the visible realm that was a picture or a type and shadow of the real substance, which was Christ. In other words, all of them did something in the visible realm that was a picture of the redemptive work of Christ. And we're going to go into the details of some of them as we move on in this segment. But, uh, you know, what I want to simply say to you is that all of the Old Testament was the shadow, and the New Covenant is the substance. So when he's taking these Hebrews of faith in Hebrews 11, he's trying to admonish these Hebrews that are transitioning from an Old Covenant uh, paradigm, Old Covenant, you know, 1,500 years of Old Covenant domination into a New Covenant, and they are wanting to go back to Judaism. You'll have to see last week's segment, if you want to get more details about that. These Hebrews were wanting to go back. Almost once again, like the first Exodus, they were about to spend 40, well, they had spent almost 40 years again wandering around in a wilderness. And, uh, but this time it was a spiritual wilderness. And, and whoever wrote Hebrews is admonishing them, listen, don't go back. Don't draw back to perdition. Don't go back to that old way. And he points them away from that to their heroes of faith. 
and says, all of these men were looking for what's available to you right now. And so when he starts out by saying, now faith is a substance, he's moving out of the realm of shadow. He's moving out of the realm of the old covenant. He he said, these men believed because they believed God was going to do something. But you need to believe because God already has. It's like we said in the last segment. Listen, really, we're born in Zion. The only shift we make to cross over is in our minds. The only, that's really the only crossing over there. Of course, that's really what it was here to some degree, but it was not, you know, up until this point, it was really not available to cross over into rest, into the promised land, into a land which, you know, we, we yeah. said in the last segment, Hebrews 4, was talked about the promised land was, a, was more than a piece of real estate in Hebrews 4. It's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's the new covenant. It's the, the promised land. It is that which is, was perfect that was to come, it was a better covenant with better promises and better blood where our perfection wasn't even based on our performance but on a sacrifice. But I'll just read this and we'll get started. Now faith is the substance. So now faith is a substance. Everything about my faith today, in other words, even if I'm believing for healing or I'm believing for blessing or I'm believing for whatever it is, I'm not believing because I believe God is going to do something. I look back at the cross and say, it was fully provided in the redemptive work of Christ, my healing. So it's now faith is a substance. I'm not believing because I believe God is going to do something. I'm believing because He already has, and it's simply appropriating what is already mine. And he said, it's the evidence, it's the, if the faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. They had good report faith. We live in a better place than just good report faith. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous and testified of his gifts, and and by it he being dead yet speaks. There's a couple things I want to jump into here, and then I'm going to toss it here to Jeremy, but it says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Now, I, I understand that, you know, he's talking about, uh, you know, ages and uh, uh, not, not so much global things, uh, you know, because he's talking about plural worlds, mm-hmm. uh, worlds that we live in, you know, uh, and, I, and, and they were framed by the Word of God. And so what has happening here is, and, and of course, let me say this, because if I don't clear it up, somebody won't misunderstand what I'm saying. That doesn't mean God didn't frame the world by the Word that He spoke as far as the global situation. But the word that we preach, this is so powerful to me, frames worlds. When we, when we declare the Word of God over our lives, we preach the Word of God. We preach like we are doing now, the present reality of the kingdom of God. We preach about living in a promised land. It begins to frame the world that we live in. The world that I'm living in today, I'm talking about spiritually and the blessing that we're living in, the peace, the joy we have with, the, with our families and the... Uh, the realities of the enjoying this journey in Christ is the world that I framed mm-hmm. over 20 years ago preaching the gospel. We're living in a better place. We're happier than we've ever been. We're more peaceful than we've ever been. And so it is important what we preach and declare because it frames worlds. What kind of a world do you want to live in? Do you want to, you want to live in one of doom and despair and is that what you want to preach and declare is going to happen? Or do you want to declare we have a future? That the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Do we want to declare something that's going to change the course of human history? 
Or do we want to be partly a part of sometimes these self-fulfilling prophecies where we keep on talking about the sky is falling and we're headed to hell in a handbasket. I'd like to know who's got this handbasket and who's mm -hmm. carrying it to hell because we could probably stop it if we could just, you know, uh, we're going to have to begin to declare something that's going to make a change in people's worlds. Yeah. And I think that's what we're doing even with this broadcast and with this ministry. So go ahead and jump in there. I hope that gives you a place to start there a little bit. But. Well, you know, it, it's by faith. He says this by, through faith they understood these things. And, and by faith, you know, Cain did a better, or Abel did a better sacrifice than Cain. And, and when you think about that, they were doing something, you know, Cain and Abel, when they brought their sacrifice, there was no, at that point, there really wasn't a requirement for any kind of sacrifice. You know, there wasn't, mm -hmm. somebody yeah. said, here's, what, here's, the, here's the pattern yeah. for what you got to do, and this is what God wants. They were just doing this out of a, uh, a really an, a, a reverence for God, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, when it says that, 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 that Abel brought a better sacrifice, it wasn't necessarily that, that God, you know, didn't like Cain, <laughs> you know, it was that he saw what, what Abel was, was sacrificing was something that God said, that's the pattern of things that I want to show. Yeah. That's what's going to bring you guys out of this cursed fallen earth and bring you into something better. That's the pattern that I really want to show forth in the earth. And, you know, when you were talking about, uh, you know, by faith, uh, he framed our world and, and the things you were saying about the world that we frame by our words. It doesn't take faith for us to say, man, there's a lot of gloom and dis despair in the world. There are a lot of bad things happening. Because you can turn on the news, you can turn on, you know, your social media devices, all that. And that's basically what you're bombarded with is how bad everything is, a negative uh, way of saying it. You know, but by faith, Somebody has to begin to declare that this is, that's not the true world. That's not where we're living. You know, mm -hmm. in other words, even and we talked a little bit about this last, last uh, week, but when the children of Israel went into the promised land in Joshua's day, there was inhabitants there. Mm -hmm. You know, matter of fact, when they came to Jericho, what they found was a walled city. Mm -hmm. And what it looks like, you know, and, and here's how we would preach that today without faith. We would say, See, I told you this was impenetrable. This was a, something we couldn't do. This is something that is bad, and, and we can't enter into it. I told you how bad it was. See how it, this is a huge We just wall. preach doom. <laughs> we just preach doom. But faith says we're going to walk around this wall for seven days. We're going to do what God told us to do, and we're going to keep our mouth shut about it, and we're just going to be obedient. And by faith, we're going to believe we're going to get to victory. And we... We don't know how that victory may come about, but we're going to believe the report of the Lord by faith that says this is our victory. Victory is going to come and we're going to drive these inhabitants out. And somewhere along the line, somebody has to begin to declare some faith, some things that are not always seen. In other words, it's we, we don't declare, in other, you know, in other words, most of our religious system does not declare by faith. We declare by what we see. Mm -hmm. But if we begin to declare by faith that the earth is the Lord's, and they that dwell in it. We begin to declare something uh, that is true that may not even be visibly seen. What happens is the more we declare that, the more it becomes visible. Mm -hmm. In other words, we, didn't, we, you know, I, we used to go to church, and it used to be declared to us that everything was bad. And that's all we saw. We saw the bad in the world. But somewhere along the line, somebody changed our mind, began to declare something by faith that caused us to repent and began to believe that we were living in a promised land right now, at least for me, that's how it happens. So my mindset is not one that I see the bad in the world. My mindset is I see this really can be heaven. 
Yeah. You know, when I walk out on my porch and I, my wife is there and my kid is there and, and, and we're just enjoying a nice summer day or some cup of coffee on the porch or, you know, when our family comes over and we just, you know, and, and we're all gathered together and, and, and enjoying and laughing and because we do that quite often, probably about once a week where we just gather in our house and, and uh, both you and mom and, and our in-laws and, and our family, and we just all gather and we have a good old time laughing and joking and enjoying and that's not and it's not it's not gloom and despair but really for me what more you know in other words i i do believe there are more of heaven coming but after a while i'm like how much how much more can it not be heaven because this is seems to be pretty enjoy i'm enjoying life pretty yeah. good yeah. the more we declare this the more but see it takes faith to begin to change your mindset to begin to declare something that the rest of the world in other words joshua and caleb when they brought the report there was 10 people that gave a negative report, but that, just because there was more people declaring it didn't mean it was true. Yeah. You know, it was really the minority that was declaring something different that was really declaring the true heart of God. And it was not the majority. It was not the majority. The rest of them were saying the sky's falling. But what happened was is that that whole generation passed until the majority walked into it, until that, the majority changed. Yeah. And somebody walked into a promised land, walked up to a wall city and said, well, we can't take this. To, let's just walk around this thing like God told us and see what happens. And without having to fight, without having to, 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 you know, pick up our weapons, the walls fell being obedient and just simply doing and declaring by faith what God said we should declare. Mm -hmm. So in other words, when we talk about even this chapter 11, he begins to declare these heroes of faith. They did something. In other words, they were doing something that nobody else had seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about Noah building an ark. There wasn't even rain that had happened to that point. So this, mm -hmm. it seemed like foolishness. I think Paul would say the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to, to those that are perishing. But to us, the being saved is the power of God unto yeah. life. And so we're being changed. In other words, I, we get on this program and we're not probably the majority of what's being declared. But that doesn't mean it's not true. That's right. And that doesn't mean that it's not the word of God. Maybe it's taking the faith. In other words, the scripture declares, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That just as much as he was made to be sin, I'm made to be the righteousness yep. of God. It doesn't take faith for me to hear somebody to declare I'm a sinner and that I'm, I'm doing it wrong. Yep. It doesn't because I, I can look and say, well, yeah, I've made some mistakes. I've made, but what takes faith is for me to believe I am the righteousness That's of God it. in Christ. Yeah. I'm just as, I'm made into yeah. the image and likeness of God. It doesn't take much, you know, to go into church and somebody declaring I'm a sinner to believe that. Yeah. What takes faith is to believe that I've been made a son of God and that I'm able to seat, sit with him yeah. in heavenly places and that I'm able to, you know, as an they heir, say, and I'm a new creation. And I can have what he says I can have. Yeah. I can do what he says I can do. I can, you know, I can inherit. I, in other words, I can inherit and walk into that giant house and begin to live there. Yeah. I can begin to eat from that giant vineyard. And that, that's mine. Because and, and, it doesn't take faith to look and say, that's a giant. That seems impossible. What takes faith to say, when I walk in there, that giant's already got a defeated heart. And yep. he's going to run when I walk in. Yep. You know, I was thinking while I was in Oklahoma City this week preaching about how, you know, we used to, people would ask us, well, what do y'all believe at that church? Mm -hmm. And I would start, of course, when we were under the legalism and really had an old covenant, uh, you know, paradigm, I, I would say, well, we don't believe you know, that people ought to do this. We don't believe you ought to do that. We don't believe that women ought to wear this. We don't believe men ought to wear that. We don't believe you should go here. We don't believe you should, you know, and, and I realized one day that I had sat in church, and what I'm telling these people is not what we believe, it's what we don't believe. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had sat in church my whole life and became an unbeliever. 
because they never taught me anything to believe. Like you said, it's not difficult to believe you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. It takes faith to believe you're the righteousness yep. of God. And what shifts that is when you uh, see on the basis of what made you righteous. And that was because, you know, he that knew no sin was made sin so you could be made the righteousness of God. And that really kind of brings us even to what it says, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Cain offered the fruit of the ground. Yeah. He was offering God an offering that was produced by the sweat of his own brow of what he could produce from a cursed earth. Look what I did. Yeah. Here's my credentials. Here's the sweat of my labor. I'm offering it. And, 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 and Abel offers the Lord a blood sacrifice. So what it's really doing is shifting my focus right from the very outset to saying, if you're going to see this, and he says by faith, he obtained witness that he was righteous. Yep. Now righteous doesn't mean you glow in the dark, it means you're in right standing with God. Yep. But what happened was he started finding the right filter to see things through. And that is through the blood sacrifice. Yep. So because what helps you hit this faith is, is not just, it's not a mind over matter thing, but what helps you is when you see it through the blood. When you see it through a more excellent sacrifice, and so this whole thing really the whole book of Hebrews is about a better promises, yeah. a better priesthood, a better tabernacle, a better promises, better sacrifices, better blood, a more excellent way, a more excellent, you know, a more excellent sacrifice. And that sacrifice is Jesus. Yeah. Everything about this screams Jesus to us yeah. and His redemptive work. And when you see it through that filter, he said his approach, Abel's approach to God, wasn't on the basis of his performance of what he could produce out of the fruit of the ground or the sweat of his own labor, sweat of his brow. That's old covenant stuff. You're trying to get God's approval based on how good you are and what you've done. And Abel says, I'm just approaching on the blood. Yep. That's a whole better approach to me than, than uh, you know, and the Bible goes on to say that he being dead yet speaketh. And so that's really, he's still talking today as we kind of, yep. you know, sitting here talking about that. So, And even, you know, when you look at that, you know, that, he, that, that it says that he, he obtained the report that he was righteous through that sacrifice and that his, he, he was able to speak even though being dead. And there's, so there's something that, you know, when you begin to connect to the right sacrifice, you begin to correct, connect to the right mindset or the right covenants, what happens is, is that there is not even a death that can hold you where the voice is not being able to speak through. Mm -hmm. You know, in other words, is that when they when they would die in that old covenant system, that that you know uh, there there was a that was a death. There was a you know an absolute death to them. They slept, and there was not a you know there wasn't an eternal. In other words, you know we we preach in, in most churches that where heaven is what we're looking for, but in that that old covenant there was not a heaven for them to look for. So they were hoping for something that was even better. Yeah. That today when we get connected to the right covenant, we get connected to the right person, the right sacrifice, that there is not even, that even death cannot stop the voice of God. In other words, you know, here's the, here's the real bottom line, because we talked about, you know, that by that faith, our worlds are framed. You know, if, if nothing else, because I, I believe in eternal life, I believe that there is a generation that will not taste death. And I believe that that's possible for me to be a part of that generation. Mm -hmm. But what's going to happen, what I'm going to do for, for as long as there's breath in me is to declare this promised land right here, right now, that it is fulfilled, that we're not getting there, that we're there. If nothing, if I don't enter into it, if nothing else, I can put enough faith. In other words, I can bring my daughter or my children to these stones and they can say, what means these stones? 
and I can say to them, this is what it means, to where they never have to hear the stuff to shut down their faith. Mm -hmm. But they begin to hear something that builds up their faith. And so that what I'm, you know, in other words, here, because I talked about this last week of Joshua and Caleb, a whole generation who believed the report of the ten spies, they died in that wilderness, not entering into the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb began to preach to another generation how they were well able to enter the land, mm -hmm. how that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And they didn't re preach to them the bad report. They preached to them the report of the Lord. Yep. To my, my assignment is, if nothing else, I'm going to preach the report of the Lord to my children mm -hmm. so that when they get to a place, they don't walk into a promised land and say, man, there's giants here and I don't know how we're going to do this. But they're going to walk in here and say, these giants are meat for me. Mm -hmm. These giants here are so I can prove just exactly who I am. In other words, we look at the challenges of God and we go, or we look at challenges of life and say, well, God gave me this challenge and God, you've got to help me. You've got to get me out of here. Rather than realize I am, I've been strengthened in the Lord. Mm -hmm. That the same, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that dwells in me. Mm -hmm. The same spirit that, that Jesus will walk in and be able to raise the dead, heal the sick, get people, you know, do all that he did, begin to, you know, preach the gospel, see people set free. That same spirit, is living inside of me. Mm -hmm. And see, that's encouraging me, but I've heard some stuff, you know, in church that was contrary to that kind yep. of power and that kind yep. of, of faith. But what I'm hoping is I can preach it to a generation. If I don't get to be the one to enter in, yep. I'm preaching yep. it to a generation that will walk in. They won't see a walled city and say, how are we going to do this? But they're going to walk and say, boy, this is, here, here we're going to prove just how, how much Christ dwells yep, in yep. us. They're not going to look at somebody who's passed away. They're not going to look at, at a dead body and go, boy, if only these bones could live again. But they're going to look and say, if I lay my hands on this, because I've been given freely, this power was given to me mm -hmm. to heal the sick, raise the dead. That's the kind of power. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing I want to teach to my children. That's the kind of faith I want to teach to my kids and to another generation that if one day, even if something would happen that maybe my life was taken, I preach to another generation that the power of God to raise you from the dead is in your hands and that that might be my very salvation to bring me back. Absolutely. And so begin to preach something to another generation that doesn't make them hopeless, but begins to give them hope. That doesn't leave them powerless, but begins to give them power so that they begin to realize. In other words, I want to preach to a generation that they're giant slayers. Yeah. They aren't, they aren't the giants over there. We're the real giants. Yeah. yeah. That's not, you know, in other words, when they begin to face some things, the things they face say, what has taken you so long? Seeing that our hearts had melted inside of us a long time ago, mm -hmm. we knew our time was short. We were just waiting on somebody to enter in that knew who they were. That's the kind of thing I'm getting to teach to another generation. Even if another, if an older generation or, or people that, like you, we talked last week, want to live on the other side of Jordan, if they don't want to enter into that, that's fine. But I'm going to preach to a generation that's wanting to walk into a promised land and say, this land is my land. Yep. This is my house. That's my vineyard. Yep. And I can have it right now. And everything that looked like a challenge is going to run from me because it's not as big as it thinks it is. Matter of fact, I'm a lot bigger. And, you know, it, it, that kind of plays into even the next one we were talking about in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so he's talking about, here's Enoch, I think, who was the eighth man. Mm -hmm. I believe he was the eighth person, I'm pretty sure. But uh, uh, Enoch, you know, number eight is the new creation. So here's a picture of the new creation man 
uh, who, who was saying, you know what? I can grab a hold of something that will transcend time. And he was translated so that he would not see death. You know, uh, it's like you were saying, I want to bring this out. I don't know how I got enough time to really bring it out good. But uh, in the old covenant, they slept with their fathers when they died. You know, because they were still under covenant of death. Nobody had ascended up to heaven. He, I mean, uh, Matthew said, no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. So nobody had been to heaven. They, they, were, they slept with their fathers. Yep. But when Paul writes 1 Thessalonians 4, he said, I'm, or I guess it's 1 Corinthians 15. He said, we're not going to all sleep. We're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So even for... What he was saying is that from the time of, of, of this transition on, especially from the destruction of the temple, because the way into the most holy place was not yet made while the first tabernacle still stood, and it was standing to A.D. 70. But when that covenant with death was disannulled, from that moment on, believers don't sleep. The moment you take your last breath, you step immediately into the presence of the Lord. Matter of fact, I believe that's what Paul was talking about when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica and he said to them, listen, we're not all going to sleep. And he wrote that to the Christians, but Thessalonica, he said, for us who are alive and remain, he said, we're going to be caught up together with him the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I could unpack a whole lot of stuff about that. But what he's saying is that from that moment on, those of us who are alive and remain, we're not going to sleep. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And the word air there doesn't mean up in the sky. It's not the Greek word oranus. It means to breathe, literally to expire air, and could be translated the moment you take your last breath. You don't sleep like they did before, but you at that moment are tra translated you know, the corruptible puts on incorruption. The mortal puts on immortality. And all of a sudden, there's a welcome meeting that that uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, there's uh, caught up in the great cloud of witnesses. There's a welcome meeting, another translation says, with the Lord in the lower atmosphere is what Wu's translation says. And if you've ever been with somebody that's dying, the moment they begin to make their final uh, you know, they start transitioning. They'll start to talk to people from the other side because I don't believe my dad is asleep today. I believe the moment he took his last breath, he's immediately with the Lord. Yeah. What we've done with that a lot, we, I, you know, I used to be confused about some of that because we'd preach, well, you know, mom, you know, if somebody dies, we go, well, mom went home to be with the Lord. Well, I'm good with that. But then the next minute, they're like, in that great getting up moment, mom's going to go be with the Lord. And then it's like, out the graveyard, it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And I'm like, well, what have you done with mom? <laughs> I don't think mom's waiting to get up. I believe mom's already present with the Lord. And that's what changed in the new covenant. And it's not only changed in the new covenant for those who like, would, would, would take their last breath. But like you said, I believe it's also possible that you will live and see yep. the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that there is a generation that will not taste death. And so he was translated. And uh, you know, he was translated that he should not see death. Well, we're about to run out of time. But I mean, you know, by faith, Enoch... By faith believe God, and he broke the appointment and was translated. We're out of time. Take a moment, if you could, call the number on the screen. Uh, uh, if you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry, somebody's standing by that can take your credit card. And the easiest way to do it is go to our website and give via credit card there or debit card. You can send a check or money order to the address that will come up on the screen. And we deeply appreciate your help. While you're there at the website, there's all kinds of products, our books, our tapes, our CDs, all kinds of stuff are there for your leisure. You can download them and enjoy them today. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Until next week. The word repentance means to change your mind, 
The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.